Hello, everyone. Welcome to Measuring the Score podcast, the podcast where we offer our opinions on film scores and the films they're inspired by. I'm Chris. And I'm Leslie. Let's get started. Hey everyone, welcome to another bonus episode of Measuring the Score, our last bonus episode of the year. Oh, I know, it's kind of sad, but but we have very, very special guests today. Yes, they are, they're very special. Yeah. Very dear, dear to us. <laughs> Mainly because they were the first podcast we were ever on. Yes, they were. Yeah, it was great. We had Love a these good guys. time too. Love these guys. <laughs> and... Before they get on, let's talk about exactly what we're going to be talking about today. What are we going to be talking about today, Chris? Not only do we have these very awesome podcasters, we're going to be talking about The Nightmare Before Christmas. Your favorite movie. It is one of my favorite movies. Yes. And the thing is, I'm not a big musical person. I I like, you know, I I get the fascination, I get the love for them, but I'm, you know, my go-to movie is not a musical. Yeah, same with Dad. The only one he likes is the one that has Clint Eastwood in it. Yeah, okay. Which one is that? Something with a wagon, I think. <laughs> I can't something, remember. Something with a wagon. All right, let's go ahead and get Paint into this. Paint your wagon? I can't remember. Maybe. <laughs> All right, guys. Ladies and gentlemen, let's put your hands together for the Nostalgia Test Podcast. Hey, guys. Hey, what's up, guys? Hey, what's up? Good to see you all. Thank you for inviting us to your podcast now. Yeah, exactly. So this is Dan and Manny from the Nostalgia Test podcast. And they, you know, they were the first guests, you know, first podcast we were ever on as guests for your uh, the start of your Rocky week that you had going on. <laughs> week. Yeah, you- yeah, yeah, the you guys, Rocky. You week. guys actually had us at our good times. Yeah, yeah. You didn't have to be a Rocky Balboa episode because we oh. were we were oh. off the chain on that one. So you oh. guys, what we were, everything was so great when we started that uh, that uh, whole Rocky week, and then we realized there's a lot of Rockies to watch. But you guys, but our 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 episode was great and obviously yeah. you guys are on our episode because there's a lot of score in that in that movie and it is one of the best Rockies of all times. Yes, I agree. Um, right. So after after we watched all of them, my my, uh, my best changed a couple of times. I think Dan, your stayed one one being the best, right? Mine stayed your, your one ranking. being the best. Yeah, yeah, mine stayed one being the best and then uh I think the main changes were like around Rocky 3 and stuff like that. Yeah. Like where that landed up. But yeah, no, we had you on Rocky one episode. It's episode 46 of our podcast. So you can catch, you know, on Spotify, Apple, on our website, the nostalgistest.com. Great episode. And Manny's right. It was when we were feeling good about Rocky. And then <laughs> <laughs> at the end of it, it was uh, the best whew. one to listen to because we still have high hopes. I mean, you 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 could listen to Rocky Four too, just because we love Rocky Four so much. How how cheesy and eighties it was, but those two are the best. The other ones you could just see. We went through. It was like we ourselves uh, ran the Rocky Steps in Philadelphia. How yeah. tired we were. We so had a good guess for Rocky Five. Thank God, you know. Shout out to the second chance uh, 
the second chance film, a second chance films podcast, I think with Jessica Quaz. Yeah. You know, she had a hard Rocky to get through, but she definitely did well. It was a, that was a hard one, but yes, glad to be back and glad to talk about this film here. Yes. Oh, definitely happy to start. Uh, this too is one of my favorites uh, of all time movies to watch. Uh, so really? I, I feel you. Yeah. Yeah. It is. Oh. It is. I was so happy when you guys were like, Oh, what are we going to do? And I was like, Oh man, great. Yeah. yeah. I, I've always liked this movie. I was probably Jack Skellington like twice or maybe even three times for Halloween. So yeah, this was not a challenge to hang out and watch a few times. Like when you were like, oh, you got to listen to the score. I'm like, oh, I have to put on the soundtrack and the score and listen to it at work. Yeah, no problem. It was just a little weird for people walking in. They're like, what are you listening to? Yeah, well, we had a discussion about that when we did the Halloween music when we said that this is Halloween being like, that's the song that just ends the night. Like, or yeah. one of them it's just like, what is this song? But um, yeah. yeah, I love this movie too. And I have an um, awesome Jack uh, Skellington hoodie that I got at Disney when I went to Disney nice. and love wearing it. It's such a really, it's an awesome hoodie. It's like his just face on the front. Like, nice. it's awesome. Yeah, nice. absolutely. But I am into musicals. I'll just say that. Good. So, yeah, I like musicals too. Well, I, I'm not I against do. them. Don't don't get me wrong. All right, I am not against <laughs> musicals. I mean, now I will sit down and watch the musicals. Now, uh, what was the one your your sister's really the the Newsies? Um, I watch the Newsies. Oh. The Newsies is I fun. Love the Newsies. I love Newsies is my favorite. I mean, the Newsies is fun. It's don't get me wrong. Favorites. Oh my god, that's one of my me and my twin sister like will recite that movie. <laughs> Like my we, sister and I do the same thing. Yeah. She'll <laughs> she'll so sit there and actually start singing like a what what's the one song? Let's you, get, no wait, yeah, wrong we, song. All right, let's let's not do that because of copyright infringement. <laughs> <laughs> it's like he's like, uh, well, headlines don't sell papes. Lucy <laughs> sells papes. Yeah, it's it's yeah, papes. Yeah. <laughs> Have no fear, Brooklyn's here. That's right. Uh, all right, so we're no yeah, longer talking so. about Nightmare for Christmas. We're gonna go into the newsies now. Uh, <laughs> Got no, into no. musicals. All right. Yeah, all right. So, guys, seriously, first of all, let me just say thank you so much for coming on here. I mean, yeah, yeah, you guys chose the Nightmare Before Christmas because I remember, I remember that conversation too because it, it was after the end of your show and we're sitting there like, oh, we got these bonus episodes we're gonna do. And as soon as I said Nightmare Before Christmas, Manny, I think it was you. Your eyes were just like, <gasps> yeah, <laughs> yeah like, we're doing that one. It's like, okay, I, yeah, we'll have you on for the Nightmare Before Christmas. So. I mean, what a perfect way to close the whole year out, right? Nightmare Before Christmas with some friends. I mean, right? Yeah. <laughs> we just transitioned out yeah. of the Halloween feeling, and then now we're transitioning into the Christmas, so it's perfect. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Great. I mean, because, like, November now is Christmas time, apparently. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so was, like, yeah there I is no Thanksgiving. it goes right from Halloween to Christmas. There's no, <laughs> no Thanksgiving anymore. It was like yeah, we, Thanksgiving we left, was forgotten. Yeah, there is no Thanksgiving. You know, turkey? What do we need turkey for? There's turkey for <laughs> yeah. Christmas. Come on. <laughs> yeah so the question uh, before we get into it i want to ask you guys is this a christmas movie or a halloween movie or both well we think it's a christmas movie <laughs> i i hence <laughs> why we're putting it in christmas time <laughs> yeah. i would say it's 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 fine to watch both times because so. i've watched it I, I can agree with that. Yeah, it's it's one of those films you can watch for either season because, I mean, it's Halloween and it's Christmas. And, I mean, you know. Oh, and I've watched it even before we were doing this for the podcast. 
you didn't have to tell me to watch it twice. I've watched it twice every every year. So. I've already watched I even it. watch it in the summertime. This is one of those movies that I'll watch like during yeah. Christmas or during Halloween. And then Christmas it's like this. And then um it'll be like um National Lampoon's Christmas. Yes. These are the, like yes. that, that. that's coming yes. on like more than four times. And then for like Halloween, we always watch uh we'll, we might watch this sometimes, but it it's always gonna be hocus pocus. And some we some random horror movie, <laughs> just okay. just for Halloween, you know. Yeah, of course. All right, so let's get into this. I'm I'm excited to like. Oh, I can hear tell you guys. Like, look at him; he's everything. just like ready to go. Like, yeah. <laughs> All right, so the, so the first thing we're going to be talking about is you know like on, always on our show we talk about the score first. Now the score was by Danny Elfman. If you mm. don't know who Danny Elfman is, we did an entire showcase of him back in one of our earlier episodes. Go check that out and listen to it. I think it was episode 10, I believe. As our researcher does her research and checks. <laughs> yes, you were right. It, yeah, was, it was episode, episode 10. 10. I am yeah. amazed. Yay! I am smart. <laughs> I am amazed. <laughs> I know numbers. Yay! All right, so Danny Elfman, of course, is, you know, it's like the Steven Spielberg, John Williams collaboration. It's Tim Burton and Danny Elfman. You know, nine out of ten times, if you've got a Tim Burton movie, you're going to have a Danny Elfman score. There's only, like, a Mm. few instances. And this film is actually one of the reasons, one of the times where Danny Elfman didn't work with Tim Burton, it was for Ed Wood, because Danny Elfman and Tim Burton had creative differences on on the set of this film, that led to, you know, Howard Shore coming on board for Ed Wood later on. So Danny Whoa. Elfman, uh, when he was working on this, he was also working on uh, Batman Begins. Batman Returns. Or Returns, excuse Batman me. Batman Begins oh. is Christian Bale. Yeah, I, I just get, I, I'm so sorry, my Batman fans. I'm so sorry. <laughs> You've just ruined, I just ruined a it. lot of things Look, for people Look, right I've now. had like very little sleep. <laughs> very little sleep. I knew that was wrong. Okay, anyway. <laughs> He was working on Batman, and uh, he's never worked on a musical before, so he didn't know where to begin. He's like, I don't know what to do. Uh, uh, Tim Burton's like, well, I know I want to make this movie. That's kind of the reverse of the Grinch that stole Christmas, but I don't know what it's going to be. So, you know, they were kind of... It it was all based on a poem that Tim Burton did. They were kind of, you know, eh. So... Danny Elfman started to form the score when he started seeing the illustrations for the movie. Hmm. He was looking at the illustrations and he was reading some lines of the poem. And he, you know, then he started getting ideas of how he thought that the score should sound and the musical. And then he started writing it down. So, and started working on it from there. But this is the first time Danny Elfman's ever done a musical, which is to me peculiar because he sang in a rock band Oingo Boingo. Yes, Oingo Boingo. And oh, right. <laughs> yes. So you would think that it wouldn't be too difficult for him since he wrote music for, you know. Yeah, because we now we got to give credit where credit is due. We watched the Netflix documentary, The Movies That Made Us, and they had a Nightmare Before Christmas episode. And in there, that's when Danny Elfman was like, I've never done a musical before. And I'm, I, I'm like you. It was kind of shocking to me because I'm going. Mm-hmm. You come from Oingo Boingo, and you did, you know, The Forbidden Zone with his brother Richard Elfman, and it had a lot of musical elements in there, and then for him to say, I've never done a musical, it's like, you're Danny Elfman. I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, I got you guys to listen to the Spotify uh, version of Nightmare Before Christmas, yeah. and it has... Uh, 
the one, the only Patrick Stewart as the uh, as a narrator. narrator. Yeah, that wow. was jarring. That was amazing. I was like, <laughs> yeah. oh, whoa! I was like, I, I was like, this is amazing. Patrick Stewart is doing the intro. I was just like, love it and right away. Like I was in. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. great. Now, that was great. Is he a narrator for any other of Tim Burton's movies? I don't know. No, but he did narrate. I remember him being a narrator for something. Now, because I was like, this almost has a Charlie Chaplin like, uh, like when Tim Burton did that yeah. one. I was like, it sounded like that narration too. So I was like, oh, was he the narrator there too? Mm-hmm. Uh, this movie, uh, like, brought back so many different things in it. So it was great. I love that you had us listen to that. So it was great. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. Well, I, I mean, of course, when the you know the track starts up, you start hearing you know the familiar Danny Elfman style going in there, which wasn't then, familiar at the time because he only did a few movies right. before here, and he didn't have that sound. So critics didn't like mm. this score at all at first because huh. they're like, "This is not like Batman, and this is not like Beetlejuice." Uh, Beetlejuice. This it was different. It was different. So. Funny you say that because I was talking to Dan today. I go, I get a Beetlejuice vibe through this whole thing. Yep, yeah. that's what I, I, I was that's like, what I was. Yeah, I feel like I'm in the 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 train set of Beetlejuice. Like all the the like the quick things that are happening, like like the flute, yeah. the violins and stuff. Like right. I'm like, this is yeah. this is Beetlejuice. I was like, I got Beetlejuice. I got Home Alone. I even got some Batman. I was like going all over the place in my head when I was like closing my eyes and listening just to everything that was going on. So I was like, this guy must, that's when I started like going through the rabbit hole of Danny. Cause I was like, (laughs) I must have done these, these, these movies. Cause like all of it sounds so familiar to me. And it's funny that you said that they didn't like it. And then it didn't sound like that. But I, I still hear it a little bit. I, well, and you can see it also in the movie, which we can get into, but, you know, I've seen this movie so many times, and I sat down with Chris the other day to watch it, and I'm like, why didn't I catch this before? <laughs> it looked like there were sandworms to me, and, yes! and I'm like, that's a sandworm. Yeah, <laughs> totally, yep. totally was. Totally, all, totally the sna- was. all the snakes are sandworms. sandworms. And like, I was waiting, uh, Dan and I were like, was there like a... Easter egg of Beetlejuice somewhere. Exactly. I asked Chris the same thing. Like, well, we kept looking this? for it. We kept looking for it. We'll we'll, we'll talk about it when we get to the film <laughs> part. Sorry. Yeah. No. 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 Uh, so the the soundtrack keeps going. You get the Patrick Stewart, the wonderful Patrick Stewart narration, which surprisingly was not in the film when we watched it on Disney Plus. And it mm-hmm. I, I, to me, I, from what I read in the trivia, Patrick Stewart was supposed to be their original narrator. I think that's what they recorded, and that's what they put onto the soundtrack. And then I, I couldn't find a reason why, why you know why they did not use Patrick Stewart. You cut out John Luke Picard. I mean, I love Patrick Stewart. Exactly. Everybody loves Patrick Stewart. Charles Wonderful. Xavier, John Luke Picard. I mean, <laughs> the you know it, how do you do that? Excalibur. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you, you cut out the when man from Excalibur right there. That's just that's just wrong. So I'm glad they put it onto the soundtrack, and then you get to the everybody's favorite track. Well, one of everybody's favorite track. My personal favorite track. Just no, because it's your favorite track doesn't mean no, no. There, there are a lot of people track. that like this track. <laughs> the 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 track I'm talking about is this is Halloween. Of course, it's the opening song of the of the movie. It's what sets everything off, and. I want to hear the original recording of Danny Elfman being doing all the different voices for for this song because that would just been amazing. Maybe they'll release it one day. That would be great. Him sitting there on the piano doing all the different voices for everybody. <laughs> it was just 
and the thing is that that you know I want to I don't want to jump too far ahead, but he got all this just from looking at the storyboards, yeah, storyboards. And, and reading the poem. Mm-hmm. The script wasn't written at this point when he was coming up with the songs. They were writing the script more based off of his songs, and then there weren't anything else. Wow. That, yeah, that is insane. I mean, that's awesome. I mean, I see that though. I mean, he the the sound that he creates, like as I was listening to it, created the world. Like it was just like you could hear kind of everything happening around it, kind of being built around it. Mm-hmm. So uh, I felt like he really captured the sense of what the film should be looking like. And what's funny though, it's funny to think that this is his first musical. I, I, I'm blown away by, by hearing that because like I, I would, this sounds like someone who has been doing this forever. Mm-hmm. That like, yeah. this is like, cause it was so on uh, every, every track in the, in the, in the score was like on point. It just, everything created such a, like, a great walkthrough. And it just felt like seamless as like as a listening as a uh, you know listening uh, to the whole thing. It was great. It, it really was. And he was living with one of the screenwriters um, at the time. They were and, dating, weren't they? Yeah, they were dating in, in real life. And the thing was, uh, he was he said that uh, he kind of felt bad for her because he was constantly going up. What do you think about this? Well, what did you think about this uh, right here? Well, you know, what about this? You know, I'm pretty sure that drove her nuts a little bit. <laughs> sure. <laughs> So, yeah, but then they came out with like the most classic movie, one of the most classic movies of all time. Right. <laughs> Which is, Seriously. you know, what Elfman wanted. He wanted to achieve a, he called a musical timelessness. Mm-hmm. And I think he did. And what I find wonderful, you know, fascinating about the score is that he had married these two uh, ideas in music. So he's got this, you got this Halloween. So this is Halloween. It's kind of got like this. Halloween feeling to it, how he, mm-hmm. you know, it was written. And then later in the score, you start hearing these Christmas elements with the oh, yeah. bells and, you know, that sort of thing. And even though they're singing even- about Halloween, the music sounds like Christmas. And, mm-hmm. but it's married together in such a way that it works. And I liked that about the score. That's where I got the influence of kind of like a Home Alone ish vibe. Like, if you watch Home Alone and like where the wind is going in the front and you hear all right. the flutes and the violins. And I was like, Oh, it, it's tying in Christmas movie songs. And like, I thought that was great. And I love the part when Jack is scary and how like the bass comes in, yep. like all of that, like yeah. the anger when Jack is being his pumpkin cute. angry self yeah. or his like pumpkin, like jack-o'-lantern, like I'm supposed to be scary right. self and how that, changes throughout his like way of like when he's happy and he's sad or he's angry and he just has to revert to being like Mr. Scary guy. So I thought it was fantastic setup. Yeah, he was able to emote those emotions and it was very fluidly done where it, 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 you know, it, it, it didn't sound disconnected at all. And, uh, it, it was lovely. It really was. Well, Danny Elfman Elfman said that he felt most like Jack Skellington. He said, he said, even though he had never done a musical before, it was the easiest thing he ever done because he, he was connected to Jack, mm. you know, and, and when he's singing, you know, the Jack song where Jack's in the graveyard and he's singing how he feels mm. discontent, you know, discontent and, and, you know, he, he doesn't want to be the pumpkin king anymore. That was, that was Danny Elfman because he didn't want to do Oingo Boingo anymore. He wanted yeah. to get out of the band. So that, that's what, when you, when you hear that song, that's just Danny Elfman saying, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to do film music. You know, I don't want to do this anymore. 
I don't want to be in a band. I don't want to be the guy known for being in Oingo Boingo. And you can, you feel bad for him. I mean, when you, when you hear that song and you see it on screen and you, you hear it, everything else, you really feel bad for him because this is what this guy felt at that time. And he put every bit of himself into that performance. And I thought it was fantastic. I love that part. I love that song's really great. I mean, the, the, he, the uh, Jack's lament or something, he, the way he just puts that out there and, it's such a great song. Uh, it's such a great song. And it, and the thing is like everything that he's done, you know, when you think of like Danny Elfman doing like Batman returns and, and things like that, like the, the kind of like the coldness of that and the kind of frigidness of this sound and right. that sound, it almost feels like the worlds are interconnected in that way where like, you know, you have a character like Jack Skellington that doesn't want to be the, um, the pumpkin king, you know, the pumpkin king anymore. And then in Batman returns, you have this character, the penguin who is just like tortured, but trying to be like accepted in this other world. And like the, the, there's such a connection between that. Like even the sounds kind of like of both scores or both worlds Mm -hmm. kind of really interconnect together. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I I completely agree with it. I I mean, and, you know, it, it was just the think, sc- go ahead. I think that's what made it successful. It's because he was <laughs> able to to emote himself in in his artistry, really. You know, and that's what artists do. A piece of them normally goes into their art, and you could tell a piece of uh, a Danny Elfman went into this score, a very personal piece too. You know, of himself. Um, now the score itself did not have a main motif. So, you know, typically the past movies that Chris and I have talked about, you have a main motif, you know, even when, uh, we were the nostalgia test and we're talking about Rocky, Rocky had a main motif. You could hear it throughout all of the movies. Uh, this score here did not have a recurring theme. It, It had a variety of styles. If you listen to the Oogie Boogie, um, oh. yeah, it's very jazzy. It's got a jazzy feel to it. And then well, you've got awesome. those that have the Christmas feel to it. And then those that have the, you know, uh, are like Sally's song. It's really uh, minimalistic mm-hmm. and kind of somber sounding. He's all over the place as far as sound is concerned in this, well, this the, score. The, to me, the two main songs that do have a reoccurring is This is Halloween and What's This? Those are the two main yep. songs that do come back. But he incorporates so many different styles from each song throughout the rest of the score. Like there's parts where there's like an action cue and you hear parts of What's This playing and then, you know, it'll switch to parts of This is Halloween playing. Or, you know, when with Sally's song, there's part there's like just so many different moving parts. So yeah, there is no main theme for the entire film. It, it's just you know, the Nightmare Before Christmas. It it is just this. And there mm. are a lot of musicals that have a main theme. This one doesn't. In in our opinions, I mean, yeah, I agree because I, I remember listening to one of you guys' episodes about uh, it was Jaws, and how like Jaws's theme, like mm-hmm. you knew when Jaws was coming, you know, like that, and like you didn't. Yeah, there wasn't a particular. Like it wasn't like any time you saw Jack, it was that Jack theme. It wasn't that. It was right. like what was going on in that yeah. scene and stuff. And I, I'm glad you brought up Boogie Boogie because that is one of my favorites. <laughs> Just because of how different, like that came out of nowhere. Nowhere. It was like, it was like I love that they like 
have like the whole gambling thing going on right. and like the jazzy feel it was like it was just like fun like it, it, even though it's like about the oogie boogie man but there right. was just like some like good times with it like yeah. I, I had a really and good time listening to that. ken page has the most wonderful voice for oogie oh. boogie I mean, I had no idea who Ken Page was. Still don't really know too much about him, but he has done the voice of Oogie Boogie for every iteration that there's been, like every video game, every kind of different kind of cartoon, any anything that had Oogie Boogie, it was always Ken Page. And I uh, just recently they had a, a concert. It was Danny Elfman live on stage, you know, doing Nightmare Before Christmas. And he had Billie Eilish come on and play Sally, which I heard she did a fantastic job. But sure enough, Ken Page shows up on stage <laughs> and he's like, he, he starts saying something and he starts singing the Oogie Boogie song. And, and everybody, they gave him like a standing ovation and everything else. Oh, it reminds yeah, me. Yeah. Uh, Dr. John, you know, Dr. John, yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. Oogie Boogie. Yeah. I, I think that you probably could put any Dr. John song in there with Oogie Boogie and it would work. <laughs> I, I just felt like that when I saw that. Go I ahead. thought he sounded almost like, um, what's that guy from, uh, who played feed me, Seymour, feed me. Oh almost yeah. Kind of yeah. 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 Like he oh, would have yeah. been a perfect, he would have been a perfect cast for the, uh, little shop of horrors, little shop of horrors, uh, song. Yeah. So, Ken Page has been done the voice of a lot of different people. I mean, he was in um, um, All Dogs Go to Heaven. Um, he was like King Gator in that one. Oh, wow. Oh, movie. okay. Yeah. I can he picture that. Yeah, he was in that. He was in, um, <laughs> they said Little Mermaid, like Sebastian and Little oh, Mermaid. What? He was um, Sebastian? Like, that's Sebastian? Like, that says 2019, so I think it's a concert. So he did the concert okay. version. Oh, okay, okay, oh. okay. But, say, but still, like, I see, like, I remember All Dogs Go to Heaven. And then in 1998 for, I guess, Cats, when they were doing something with Cats, maybe it was a movie or the film or the version that they filmed from uh, Broadway, he was uh, Old Deuteronomy. Oh, okay. So this guy has been, yeah, he's like a real, like, probably real Broadway actor. Because, like, That's when he right. sang, when that song came out, I was like, I was remi- it reminded me of being at, like, a Broadway musical. That right. this, this guy's going to stand at the front of the stage and just belt that <laughs> song and out. Dance. And that was, yeah, he was literally just like, this is my time. I don't care what's going on around me. This movie's happening. But I'm going to make this, like, mine. And that's how, like, I hear that that music in the score. I'm like, this is a totally different world. <laughs> like, yeah. like, this is not, like, Nightmare Before Christmas, but it is. It, it had a completely different style. I had, a, it, I mean, even the 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 visuals kind of changed a little bit. Because mm. the Halloween Town was, like, very dark, you know, devoid of color, very drab looking. And then you get Oogie Boogie's layer and there's like green everywhere. You know, there's <sighs> there's lights just shining oh, yeah, all over the place. I love the like the um the black light effect. Yeah. To me that was just amazing. Mm-hmm. I just loved it. Yeah, and then yeah. one of my oh, yeah. one of my other yeah. favorite songs is the uh, the Kidnap the Sandy Claus. I love oh. that song. <laughs> Chris, me and you it. are on the same vibe here because <laughs> I thought that was great too. I was like, I love the like the little like the beginning of that was really cool. And it was just like, you know, like uh, very like spy like. Yeah. And then and then, yeah, yeah, them just talking about what they were going to do and stuff. It's like little banter within the song of what they're going to do. I I love that. And 
Uh, Danny Elfman was uh, the voice of Beryl because you know, it was the three kids. It was Lock, Stock, and Beryl. Danny, Elf- Danny Elfman did the uh, singing voice of Jack, and he did the singing voice and also the, just the voice of Beryl. Now, Danny Elfman was supposed to voice Jack, you know, as in acting mm. as Jack. Yeah. And he, he he was kind of nervous about it. He went to Tim, you know, Tim Burton's like, oh, no, don't worry. You got the part. Then, unfortunately, he provided the voice, and the actual director of the film, Henry Selleck, um, said it was kind of wooden. It it just didn't mm. it didn't fit the role. So unfortunately, they had to you know tell him, hey, look, sorry, this isn't going to work. I, I think this may be one of the things Danny 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 Elfman was a little upset that Tim Burton didn't tell him himself. He got somebody mm. else to tell him. Wow. And Danny said that he was a little he was a little crushed by that, and you know I can understand why. I mean, if my friend hired me and said, "Hey, look, you know, yeah, you're gonna be doing this," and he's like, ah, "Sorry, you're gonna be cut," and but he isn't the one that tells me. It's just like, oh, okay. But they got Chris Sarandon to voice yeah. Jack Skellington. <laughs> I for the longest time I could not tell the difference. That's I couldn't. Why they got him. I still can't. Yeah, that's I why still they hired can't him tell the difference because he sounded a lot like um, Danny Elfman. Like just like, yeah, just like him. It was yeah. so weird when I when I looked that up. I was like, oh, there's two different people that voiced this. I'm yeah, like, that's so odd. It sounded like the same exact person. Um, but that is weird that like Tim Burton. Well, maybe it's not because you know Tim Burton is that. That sounds like Tim Burton. <laughs> <laughs> like, that sounds like something Tim Burton would do. Like he's like locked up and so he locks himself up in some tower somewhere. It's like uh, I don't want to do that. You go do that. But he's I, probably he's an introvert possibly, and he might have like lost that energy to be like I don't want to confront this. Like I told this this guy just did all this recording, and we gotta like yeah. say no. Like yeah, it's tough. That's well, tough. he got oh, angry there, and it. Uh, I saw it in trivia, and we watched it on the uh, movies that made us uh, the concept was to make boogie boogie the same as dr no 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 no. it was supposed to be revealed at the very end of the movie that uh dr finkelstein, finkelstein. the evil finkelstein. scientist uh. yeah finkelstein was supposed to be oogie boogie, boogie. and he didn't like really? it really tim burton got so mad that he actually kicked, he the, kicked hole the hole in the wall, in the wall. <laughs> yeah what yeah what yeah he got so mad he kicked he didn't the like ho- it. he got so mad he kicked a hole in the wall at the studio and then afterwards they said it was like a, you know definitely quiet and the whole thing and then they signed it they put like a drew circle around it and signed it, it said tim burton was here <laughs> oh my wow. god yeah the evil scientist was amazing he was voiced by william hickey who was yes. in um who's the uncle with the toupee yes. uh, in uh, national Vac- lampoons <laughs> christmas vacation who sets the sets the tree on fire he's like what what <laughs> oh, <laughs> one of the greatest scenes ever yeah. so, oh, so, so they wanted to say that he was the oogie boogie man at the yep. end yes. which makes yeah. no sense no no, it made no all sense. Right. And even all right, so even going back and watching, and when we were watching it, and we knew what you know what was what it was supposed to be, I was trying to find like subtle things. If there was any way leading up to that, Finkelstein was Oogie Boogie. I couldn't find it the entire time. I'm going. I'm, it would have made no sense if you really just had that. Stretch. It'd have been like, hey, I'm really Oogie Boogie. No. Yeah. I always I always I'm, thought it was creepier that it was a bunch of bugs. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I thought yeah. that was great. Yeah, because like think about like being a kid and like just like thinking about like your worst nightmares of what like a oogie boogie man could be or whatever. And like, right. bugs. you know, it's like oh, they're just a bunch of bugs that made a person. It's that's gross too. And like <laughs> this guy, I thought it was or not a person, a sack of 
of whatever it was. <laughs> a burlap Dude, that, sack. Yeah, it was a burlap oh, sack. Yeah. yeah. It so freaked creepy. me out that like because I forget all the time that those three creepy kids like have this little hole and then like they they throw things down and like they have him down there. I'm like, this is like if this is like if the kids from it actually just like created it and then like keeping him alive and feeding With him to children. Right. Yeah, I was like, this is what is this? Like so it's like they had this, he's down in this hole. I'm like, oh, that's right. They're like keeping him alive. It was so weird. It was so yeah. Weird. <laughs> So weird. Uh, and the thing that gets me with the score when it you know how it continuously changes in the the tone and the shift and the emotion and everything else and then on the soundtrack when we you know we just played it i i didn't i didn't listen to the closing part in the car i, I got to the end part and i was like all right i'm done no 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 i should have listened to it because we played it just a few minutes ago before you guys came on I told Chris, I said, hey, Chris, you need to listen to the closing uh, um, score cue if you haven't yet. And he goes like, okay. And he started listening to it, and he goes, what? So it's Patrick Stewart telling, basically, yeah. if there was ever a sequel to The Nightmare Before Christmas, and saying that he went back and, you know, saw his old friend Jack, and Jack had... Years like, later. Yeah, years later, and Jack had a bunch of little skeleton kids running around. Yeah. And he asked him, you know, would you do ever do this again? You know, knowing what you know now, would you go back and do this? And Jack and Jack leans in, smiles. He said with a big pumpkin king smile and says, "Wouldn't well, you?" I thought that was great. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. you had this, you know, very soft Danny Elfman music playing yeah. in the background. I thought I was like, oh man, that's awesome. That that is just wonderful. Yeah, and I, I'm, the, I'm, I was I was waiting to see it. Right. When I watched the movie. I'm like, where's that part? Like how come we, that would have been cool? Like that would have been great. Know? That would have been great. Yeah, you know, I I think they should have ended it like that. Mm. Um, now the the score was fantastic. I mean, I mean, it, it, that's all we've been talking about is how great the score is. I mean, it really is because I was a kid when I watched this film, and yeah, like I just said, I'm 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 not a big musical person. It was even more so back then. I, I really did not like musicals. I li- and when it came to the singing parts, watching a Disney movie, I'm just like, oh, more singing, great. Okay, let's fast forward this. Oh, the song's over. I think like the only one at that time was Aladdin. I liked Aladdin at that point. I love Aladdin. Okay. Wait, so what'd you yeah. see? Like 15 minutes of a Disney film? <laughs> pretty <Like> much. This- <laughs> <laughs> like, and done. Yeah, like- <laughs> that's pretty much. It's like, oh, that's the story. Okay, great. You know, great. Okay, cool. I'm You're fast forwarding through Hakuna Matata. Come on. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> after. Yeah, I. I mean, no. I would sit there and listen to the songs, but it was like when they would start singing about everything, and it's like, oh, I just stubbed my toe. Oh, I stubbed my toe. You know, it's like, come <laughs> on, guys. This is this is. Come on, you don't have to have a that's, song about everything. <laughs> that's the yes, hard that part. Music goes a little tough one. Those right. kind of musicals are like, come on. Yeah, right. it it's a little bit, and and, and that's what. I was a little afraid of with this film, but it was not me who wanted to go see it. It was my brother all because of the trailer where the little kid is like the, the parents come walking in and he's like, so what did Santa bring you? And he pulls out the head out of the box. Yes. My yes. brother was like, we've got to go see that. And I'm like, okay, yes. that, all right. You know, and, That's awesome. and it was the one time where we sat there and it was like every song afterwards, we were humming it. After, when we come out of the theaters, we were humming every song. See, Danny Elfman yeah. did what he set out to do to make a timeless score. And I mean, even to this day, sometimes those songs will pop in my head and I start burst out singing. You know, this is Halloween mm. or, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Sally's Lament. What's this? What's, What's this? this? 
Dude, the whist, oh, this whole that. time that we've been talking, what's this is playing in the back of my mind. <laughs> yeah. What's this? What's this? It's just so funny. Yeah. Because yeah. so it good. is, you know, like when you said like the idea of like it being like a reverse engineered, like the Grinch, like, you That's know, because like that scene and i know we're not talking about the movie yet but like i just remember like that scene where like he's looking down on christmas town that's literally like the scene from whoville. the the whoville him looking yeah. down on whoville and it was just like i was like oh my god it's like literally the whole that whole thing with beetlejuice sandworms i mean it's, it's yeah, right. <laughs> sandworm was under the christmas tree sandworm yes, it was. Yeah, yeah. all right so uh, so we keep talking about the film let's go ahead and start talking about the movie now uh what was your guy what was what was y'all's like you know, reaction the first time you ever saw the movie. Oh, I mean, I loved this movie the first time I saw it. I thought it was, it was one of the coolest things because I love that kind of stop motion yeah, um, kind of feel. And, you know, that was, it, it was just so visually captivating every landscape. And, and now even watching it back, um, you know, Jack's lament that song when he sings that and he walks onto that hill and then the hill unwraps like that yes. and he walks down. that is one of my favorite visuals mm-hmm. of like any movie like one of the top visuals from any film because it's just so beautifully put together i don't know and there's something about him as a character that i just love as like uh visually as a character it's just i, the I, I love this is film. lovely i, I mean it, <sighs> it's, it's all the aesthetic is just with colors yeah. You've got the muted colors of, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, Halloween Town, and then when you get into the Christmas uh, Town, you've got all those bright colors that you would see at Christmas time, and it made you just want. It reminded me almost of the Christmas markets when I lived in Germany, with all the lights and you know the trees and. Oh, I miss uh, those. Those are good times. Yeah, I love that. Wonderful stuff. I I actually same thing with Dan. I love stop motion. When I was a child, uh, the first movie I ever shot. I went to school for film, but. The first movie I ever shot was a stop motion of my bed making itself. So when this <laughs> when this movie came out, I was like, oh, we're going to see this. I couldn't believe that. Like I was blown away. And I remember like knowing how many heads I forget now, but how many heads Jack had. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, just, yeah. Just to oh, make yeah. Him, like, yeah, yeah. Singing stuff. And like wa- I watched like documentaries on how this mo- how this movie was made. Even back like imagine the technology now. Yeah, if they did that movie now, how faster things would be. But like, I just love anytime I see stop motion, I'm like, I'm watching it. Um, <laughs> and like, just the setting, everything was just done so well. And Dan, when you talk talking about that scene, that moon, mm-hmm. it's like anything with that moon, like right away, you know it's what what movie you're talking about. Like anytime you see Especially it, like when really you see that heel, because it's always mm-hmm. curled up. Oh, it's like yeah. the iconic okay. shot. You always see Jack up on that heel and the heel's curled up. And I, I every it. time I see that, like I see it on shirts, backpacks, whatever. I, I first thing that pops in my head is I'm waiting for Jack to start walking down and it starts unraveling. I thought that was the coolest thing ever when you I saw know, that. A, a telltale sign of a good artist is when you look at that piece, you know what that art, who that artist is immediately just by looking at it. And yeah. Tim Burton has that classic style. You could look at any yeah. scene, and if it was even in drawing form, which you know he used to be a Disney animator. Yeah, which you, blew my mind. You can look at any of his pieces like that and immediately say that's Tim Burton because he has got a characteristic style about him, especially with his his animation. And yeah. uh, it's just, to me, wonderful. And that tells you that he 
it's a good artist because it doesn't mimic anybody else. It doesn't look like anybody else. You immediately know that that's Tim Burton. Mm-hmm. Now, when, go ahead. Oh no, I was just to say when I lived in the uh, when I was living in New York and in, in Astoria, um, Manny knows uh, this place. They have a, the museum and a moving image there, and they did a whole Tim Burton retrospective, and it was uh, it blew my mind. Like all the old illustrations he did as a young animator for Disney and some of the stuff he was working on. And you could see kind of the aesthetic just kind of growing and kind of being there. And she's like, all he already knew kind of what he was and who he was as an artist. And you could see it. And I mean, that was one of the greatest exhibits because it was just everything Tim Burton. They had it all right there. And I was, it it was quite amazing to see. And that's why I, I mean, I love this film. And even when it comes to his, live action films they kind of have the same aesthetic from that stuff uh, well, tim burton like yeah. didn't he grow up in like levittown so like uh, did he <laughs> i think he grew up in a levittown a levitt town and um that's why like edward scissorhands the way uh oh, the town God. was set up it was set up about like growing up in suburbia oh, wow in that kind of like makeshift town yeah. and like how people were in that town because of like being so close and everything looking the same and all the houses the only thing that separated the houses were their colors so like everything else was like pretty much the same so it's pretty interesting if you find go even deeper in his life of like why certain movies were made the way they were so he he was born in burbank just uh but like in california but it literally manny it's just another suburb just like it was oh that's what it was okay yeah yeah hundred percent. Yeah, and you know, and it was a rumor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> rumor. Just like, it's a wives' tale. <laughs> but if you if you watch the movie, you see his use of stripes. There's a lot of you. Yeah. You see stripes all sand over worm. the place. You got the sandworm. And if you think about Beetlejuice, what what was uh, in Beetlejuice? Stripes. Right. It, you know that use of stripes that get yeah, the characteristic. Um, uh, I would call them cur- curly cues. You know, he uses those shapes, mm-hmm. things like that. And the that, sunken eyes too. That translates from both his cartoon or his stop motion film that he he made to his live action. Even some of the aesthetics from Edward Scissorhands. You know, look at some oh, of that. Yeah. It equate. I mean, you you can see the similarities between all of them. This is why I think like, and I watched this recently, like Corpse Bride. I didn't enjoy it. I just like didn't. I mean maybe it just didn't do what I felt like nightmare before Christmas did. So like, no. and I, it just like, I didn't have the same feelings. I felt it was darker than nightmare before Christmas. I had like, I was like, I can't see certain things. I feel like I'm <laughs> in the dark and the music didn't have for me the same things that this, that nightmare before Christmas had. And it was just like, it just didn't have the same energy that like nightmare before Christmas did, which I feel like is still like a lamenting type of film of something, but there was like up, where like in Chorus Bride, I always felt like I was just like, I don't know, like floating slowly through it <laughs> trying to get to the end. Well, I don't know any trivia about Corpse Bride, but like what we were talking about with Danny, like he he was writing what he knew. He was writing what he went through. So like maybe that came out and why it's such a great movie is that like he he was so into what he was writing about and it was about him. As opposed to we don't, I mean, I don't know anything about how Corpse Bride was written or whatever. So maybe you just didn't feel that energy. You know, I haven't watched Corpse Bride in a while. Yeah, same either. Here. But I, and when I watched it, I was like, I was like, uh, Dan, I, I was like trudging through, and I was just like, 
okay, I get it. All right. It's, I mean, all right, whatever. Let's just hurry up. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't remember any songs from the court for it. But I think that, yeah. you know, with the, if you look back at Danny's score, that he, even though he has all of these, um, these changes and pieces, you know, you got the jazzy piece and serious piece, but with those changes, it helps the movie move. It actually provides a nice pacing for the movie. You can watch a movie and if it's got a terrible score that has terrible pacing, it's going to slow down the movie even more and then the movie is going to be just you it's going to, you're going to have to suffer through it, you know. Well, 5 I minutes will pass was, by and you're just like, "Oh, it's been 30 I, I, minutes." I think but. it was because Danny wrote the wrote a lot of the songs, you know, wrote, wrote all of the songs beforehand, so he basically painted part of the canvas for the guys he's like okay here's part of it just fill in you know just just do your thing on the rest of the painting and make it wonderful and well, it's like mm-hmm. the good and the bad and the ugly the score was the right. first thing that was written and the movie was filmed around the score so it that's made basically it what happened here because the movie oh wow yeah they <laughs> you should listen to our good and bad and the ugly yeah, yeah. episode <laughs> but what yeah. they did was they wrote the score first and he would get out there and start filming the movie and he would play the score for them while filming to give oh, my wow. idea yeah. what's going wow. on. Yeah. So that, that's kind of what happened here with this. And I, I remember when the film came out, because it was always, you know, Tim Burton's The Nightmare Before Christmas. And I was like, oh, wow, Tim Burton directed an animated movie. No, no, it wasn't Tim Burton that directed it. It was Henry Selick, one of Tim Burton's yeah. uh, early animating friends. And oh, uh, yeah, and that always threw me off. Because I would always like, oh, yeah, it's Tim No, it's not Tim Burton. And Rick Heinrich, you know, uh, Tim Burton's, you know, production designer from a, from Batman Returns, I think Batman and Beetlejuice as well, knew the Tim Burton style. And he was the one that was really communicating with the with the guys there that were doing the stop motion about what has the Tim Burton look and what doesn't have the Tim Burton look. And then Tim Burton would just kind of come in on a lot of th- on a lot of things and, you know, give his final take. Now, mm-hmm. Tim Burton come up with a story. And a lot of the characters and everything else, but it was uh, originally Michael McDowell. Uh, I think that's his name. Yeah, Michael McDowell. <laughs> he was a screenwriter for Beetlejuice. Was supposed to write the script and everything else, but he he was paid, and he was taking uh, a long time. And that's when they were starting the stop motion, and they didn't really have much. Now, again, like I said, this is coming from the uh, the movies that made us. They said that eventually, what they found out was he used a lot of his money for drugs and basically said, I'm done. (laughs) And that is when they brought in Caroline Thompson, who was uh, dating Danny Elfman at the time. Because Danny Danny was the one who was like, hey, look, um, you know, she's really good. (laughs) Why don't we get her? Because, you know, she did uh, Edward Scissorhands. You know, why don't we just, you know, ask her, ask Caroline to do it. Because she's been listening to me play this all week long. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. I mean, and it was like she knew the characters. She knew, you know, and she felt really close to Sally. And and Mm. Sally's part from Michael McDowell's original screenplay was, you know, very limited. It's a very flat character. She's the one that actually gave Sally depth uh, Mm -hmm. and developed the character even further. Um, if it wasn't for her, then Sally would not have had a voice at all. You know, she would have been just a, one of those flat, two-dimensional yeah. uh, background characters. I mean, Sally played huge parts in this. I thought it was, yeah. she was great in that. Mm-hmm. I loved her, her parts. Now, now, speaking of Sally's voice, it blew me away when I found out the voice of Sally is Catherine O'Hara. Yeah. The mom <laughs> from Home Alone. <laughs> 
Mom and, from Home Alone. And it wasn't like she just did the voice and that was it. No, she no, sang. she did the voice and the singing parts. Yeah, and I'm sang. going, what? Yeah. Well, I mean, Catherine O'Hara in like in A Mighty Wind, she sang in A Mighty Wind and she has an amazing singing voice. You know, everyone in uh, that Christopher Guest movie had to sing and play those instruments. So, you know, when when I saw it was her, I was surprised because I never knew it was her. And then I was like, man, like. But then as she's singing, I'm like, it makes sense. Like she, right. she could really sing really well. And she's just a great actress. I love Catherine O'Hara. And the Very fact funny. that she uh, like, I don't know, like she's so great that it, it makes it was really great to kind of see uh, find that out. That was like a little thing that I didn't know before. Now, another and see, she was in Beetlejuice and then yeah. her Beetlejuice yeah. co-star, the mayor, Glenn Shaddix. I mean, it was Otho and Beetlejuice. It was also the mayor and the you know nightmare. I thought that was great. I, I loved him yeah, as I was the mayor. Waiting to see some more you know uh, Easter eggs of Beetlejuice as we were talking about before because uh, you know I'm, I'm rewatching this and I'm I didn't notice for example Zero's nose was a little pumpkin. <laughs> I always thought that it glowed, but when you really yeah. look at it, it's a little jack o' lantern. And I oh, noticed that. Okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. So next time you watch it, look at his nose. It's a little jack o' lantern. Oh, now that you're saying it, I could see that it was a little yeah. bit more orange. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I get it now. So now when you see yeah. it, you, you'll see the little face on it. And I'm like, is that a jack-o'-lantern? And Chris is like, yeah. And then I was like, like, you never noticed that? And she's like, yeah. And I was oh, like, wow. oh, my And then I'm like, is that a sandworm? You know, because the first scene where you see a little worm come out, it looked just like a sandworm. I was expecting to see Beetlejuice hidden somewhere. You know? might, there might be like a, grave, a gravestone or something with his name on it. Probably. You know. Who knows? Yeah. He's yeah. not like Steven Spielberg, where they have to like, you know, Steven Spielberg. <laughs> me and Dan were joking around that Steven Spielberg loves his uh, Easter eggs, it's like yep. basically just talking about himself the whole time. <laughs> so, like, you know, Tim Burton maybe isn't so much into that. So, but it's not as arrogant. It would be cool. Yeah. yeah. Well, like although said, he didn't really do this movie, I right, guess. right, I right, know. right. Yeah. There's a, there was a, 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 um, one time I was watching a, a spoof on this movie and uh, I didn't realize that Tim didn't direct it because I was just assumed. Right. And well, it's got like, his name at the top right. right there. Yeah. yeah. And my mind was like, what? What? <laughs> what? What do you mean? It looks so much like a Tim Burton movie. What do you mean? Like it, the whole feeling and stuff. But now that you brought up like even like the eyes in the live action movies that he does are all like blacked out in mm-hmm. a lot of the movies and stuff like batman returns like the the uh the rich guy who's um oh christopher walken christopher walken like he had some deep eyes yeah beetlejuice sleepy yeah. Hollow. alice in wonderland yeah. sleepy hollow sleepy like hollow, the list yeah. goes on yeah oh uh, what was wow. the other the, the last one he did um the mrs peregrine's uh home for peculiar children yeah the one of the the girls in that she had the sunken eyes too and that's yeah. that's his, one of his things. Did is, he do that one? Yeah, that was him. Oh, I didn't know that. It didn't have a Danny it Elfman score. It made me sad. Danny <laughs> Elfman also did Dick Tracy. That's this. Yeah. Wow. His list goes on. Uh huh. He did, on. Dick, he did wow. Dick Tracy because yeah. he did Batman, and then everybody loved that sound, and that's what they wanted for their movie. So he did Dick Tracy, then he did Dark Man, and then he formed a friendship with Sam Raimi off of Dark Man, and then you know it was like every time he had a Sam Raimi movie, he had either Joe Laduca who did Evil Dead. Or Danny Elfman. Wow, I'm, I'm yeah. like a, I'm like a Men walking in, IMDb. I can't help. It. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, Man in names. Black. Wow. Yeah. 
That's cool. And he did the he did the uh, the most recent Men in Black movie, but he had a different uh, he had, he had another composer working with him. It was a uh, Chris Bacon, I think the guy's name was. And, and what's I remember that guy's name because he did a uh, something else one time, and he had a middle edition. It was P, so it's Chris P Bacon, crispy bacon. <laughs> Stop I it. thought that was the funniest. Oh was my like, god! That was the funniest thing ever. I was like, I cannot believe this guy got this big job and he puts on there crispy bacon, like Rip Torn. <laughs> you know, that's his name, Rip Torn. Really. Yeah, Rip Torn. Rip Torn. <laughs> wow, crispy bacon. I I loved that one. So when I found out, I, yeah, go ahead. I'm just I'm, I'm I'm just the last thing. Like Man in Black. I'm thinking. I'm remembering the scene at the end with the marbles when the aliens playing with the Earth and it's like mm-hmm. a bunch of marbles and just the score. Now yeah. that I know it's Danny, I'm you, like, you picture it kind of sounds. He's got a sound. He has mm-hmm. like a theme in a way yeah. of his sound. Wow. You know, we went back to, you know, when we talk about like how there was like, there's no real motif. Like there's like no thing that kind of go, that's this person's sound. That's this person's sound. But like, there's like a encompassing like environment that he creates with like the, the sonic ability of the whole thing. Yep. Cause like, you know how, like, in you know, when you watch star Wars, you know, when certain things are happening, you know, Luke mm-hmm. is staring out at the, the three moons or whatever it's going on. And there's that Luke sound. Then there's Darth Vader sound. Mm-hmm. Then there's the rebellion sound. And it's so hammered in there that after it just becomes like a kind of predictable where like here it's just like it's it's stitched together because it's so well developed as music as because like it's like an album because he's in Mm -hmm. a band. He was in a band. He knows how to like kind of like sync you know synchronize an album together that doesn't necessarily have like those things where it's just like that's this song. It just kind of works really well. And I just felt like if you didn't point that out, that there was no like motif, I would have been like, of course there is. <laughs> of course there is. Like it, it just to- totally is, but there's not, but he just knows how to like put together the, the, the score like that. Yeah. And the ideas are, are connected, you know, so well that it just flows. And, you know, Halloween has always got this dark feeling and dark, mm-hmm. dark sound. Cause you know, it, Halloween is about, you know, the things that scare you the most, but then you've got Christmas, which is joyous and, you know, it's about mm-hmm. giving. And yet he's married those two ideas and music. And that's so yeah. wonderful to do when you put your idea that you ha- are feeling and you put it in the music, you know, I always, I've talked about James Horner before and how much I love James Horner because he has a way to make you feel through the music. And if you listen to his music, when you're sad, you will just boohoo all over the place mm. because he has a way of emoting feeling through music. And I think that Danny Elfman hit it on the head with this emoting, you know, what's going on in Jack's life. Um, the, the concepts between Halloween and Christmas, you know, and even Sally, because Sally has this, she wants to get away. She don't want to be in prison. You know, that's why her and Jack are a lot alike. And he was able to take all of that feeling and emote it in the music and you can understand it through just listening to the music. And it's, mm. it's wonderful without a motif, you know, it's got yeah. that hierarchy of a feel there. I think it's just, mm. he's, he's masterful to me. Yeah. I was reading through uh, a lot of the trivia right before this, and I I don't know why I didn't catch this. And he was like one of my favorite characters too. Uh, the band that was always in the in the yeah, I always in, like the saxophone player. Yeah, That's always like the, uh, yeah. So in in the um, guitar, you've got like a little guy inside the guitar. That's modeled <laughs> after Danny Elfman. 
<laughs> I I did not even pay attention to oh it. Oh my god, that's I so was funny. Like, and when I read it in the trivia, I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, I can I see like that the now. Saxophone player <laughs> calls him Bone Daddy. Yeah. There's so many weird people in this movie. Like Greg Proops is like the sound, the the voice of the saxophone. Right. Um, who's like on, you know, whose lines? Yes, yes, he's, like he's a funny guy. Unbelievable act, uh, comedian. Um, and, and when I saw it, I was like, that's so random. <laughs> so exactly. random. Like you're gonna play this saxophone guy. That that's you know you'll have some lines. And Those, that's it. The band was great. I oh yeah. The band I liked when they started on the playing. street corner the whole time. I liked when they started playing Jingle Bells, and it just oh, yeah, it sounded Jingle Bells. It sounded horrible, and Jack's like, "That's fantastic!" It's like, no, yeah. it's it not. Me of the, the beginning band playing No Jingle Bells when you got. <laughs> 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 it sounded like a bad. It sounds like the bad harmonica version of Jurassic Park. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> Yeah, this oh, movie's man. great. This movie's <laughs> yeah, this movie's great. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, I was so happy that I had to watch it again. So it was great. <laughs> so as always on the show, we always break everything down to three questions. Does it work for the film? Favorite scene, favorite score piece, or both? And what could have been done differently? So since you guys are guests of the guests of the show. You know, does it work for the film? Does the score work with the with the movie itself? So I'm gonna interrupt Dan before he goes. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna say I'm gonna say that the movie works for the score because the score is so good. <laughs> that there wouldn't be a, a movie without it. Like there was this. It was just I could just listen to it, and I'm basically playing the movie. Like I don't need to see the movie again. If I just listen to it and it's just like, oh, it's all there. Like the emotions, everything is there. You mm-hmm. could just like picture it in your head. It's It was so good. So yeah. yes, of course it works for it. Yeah, I'm agreeing. I mean, it totally works 100% for it. I think they both the sound and the visuals are such good collaborators that it just, they, it, they just complement each other so well. Um, as soon as I heard the music, I could, I immediately could see every scene of the film. And it just like was so spot on that it, it just, I don't know. I, I, I enjoyed, I enjoyed it. And I think like, yeah, it definitely works. Leslie. I agree. I think it works. And uh, I think that Danny Elfman was able to achieve what he wanted to achieve, which is that, you know, timelessness. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we've seen the movie, but if you go back and listen to the score, you can visualize those scenes in the movie just by listening to the score and vice versa. Uh, you probably could even watch the movie now without having the score on it and still hear them singing. So I, oh, I think yeah. that it, it works it works wonderfully well. And I think that it also helps pace the movie along and it uh it it uh captures the feeling of the characters as well. So I, I think it works. Yeah, it absolutely works because I mean, just by us seeing, you know, the all of the songs were written before they even had a script finished and everything else tells you right there how much this score works. I mean, mm-hmm. even the parts without the singing and everything else, it's just everything, it, it, everything flows. Everything, once the songs start and the score keeps going, you don't really notice, you know, when the songs stop and the score begins because it all sounds, everything works. Everything's cohesive. So, yeah, it and it, everything works with the visuals. Everything, it just, everything fits. Now, mm. 
is there a favorite scene or favorite score piece from you guys? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can't just say the entire I mean, movie. Really, I have to choose one. <laughs> one, one, the the one thing that speaks to you the most when you th- well, when someone says Nightmare Before Christmas and what scene pops in your head, what score piece pops in your head? Well, I would say um, this is Halloween always comes in my head, but after watching it today even i love the scene where he's he kind of realizes that like he wants to be the pumpkin king and like he did his little thing and it didn't like he almost realizes what he's good at mm-hmm. and what he's good at is being the pumpkin king i love that scene for some reason like the him in the christmas movie in the christmas town graveyard right and like his realization i forget what what it's called um i don't know which what i'm trying to look at what what it is but it's that scene after he gets a shot down i think it's like poor jack yeah that's what i was just about to say it's poor jack i mean poor jack for some reason i just i like like the realization that he came up with and that he like kind of changed right away and was like all right i gotta save christmas and give it back to the guy it belongs to so it was. It sounded kind of like Jack's lament, but it, it came back in a different way. It was more, whereas Jack's lament was more sad and depressing because he was upset. It, this one was more like, I know what I need to do, and I need to be the Pumpkin King. So yeah, uh, yeah, that was great. I, I like that scene too. Dan, <laughs> I, I mean, I'm gonna be just cliche, and I love. Uh... <laughs> what's this like i love that i love that song and i love that scene it's just it comes after like such an amazing part too i mean yeah the whole jack's lament i love that whole thing the walk through the forest and stuff but you know i feel like those three things like really meet up really well at what's this and and to me like when i see that scene and i hear that music i i it's it it just gets i I don't know it gets it, it like gets me all energized and I'm ready to like, I just want to hear it like immediately. And that scene is just amazing because I love the contrast between like him and the Christmas town. And it just like, everything is like, look at you talk about like the kids are throwing snowballs instead of throwing heads. Like it's all like really hilarious, but it's like taken very seriously. Like he's like really reflecting on like, wow, like this is happening instead of this. There's nothing under the bed that's scaring them. There's nothing this. And it really makes them really think about like, what is it that we do in Halloween Town? And it's just like, it's really an interesting scene. I, I, for me, that's, I think, my favorite uh, my favorite song uh, and scene. Leslie? So my favorite song is uh, the Sally song. It's just really haunting the way she sings it. I think Catherine O'Hara did a lovely job, you know, uh, portraying Sally and uh, her song was able to capture her emotion, uh, you know, that she wants to break free and that her and Jack are, are very similar because uh, she caught on early. So to me, that's my favorite. Now, my favorite scene, I've got lots of favorite scenes because I love this movie. <laughs> you can just say the whole movie if you want to. <laughs> the whole movie, no. But what really stuck out in my mind, I have two. And the first one is where instead of the kids capturing Santa Claus, they capture the Easter Bunny. <laughs> And the Easter Bunny pops out of that bag and then gets scared and goes back in the bag. Oh, and the, the guy with the hatchet and he's like, Bunny. <laughs> yeah. You take him back. You take him back where you found him, you know. And then my yeah. second. I, I, I'm sorry. I got. I got. I loved how Jack starts apologizing. Yeah. I'm I was so just about sorry. to say that. I, I'm so he's, sorry, sir. You know. <laughs> and he's like, "Don't forget to apologize when you bring him back." 
my second favorite is where he goes down to Oogie Woogie. So, you know, you hear that Jack is this bad dude, you know, and but you see a soft side of him throughout the whole movie. And then when he goes to rescue his friends and he goes down there and then Oogie Boogie becomes scared of him, then you realize that Jack is really scary in Halloween Town, <laughs> that he is the Skeleton King and yeah, uh, yeah. or the Pumpkin King, and he's, he's scary. And uh, I liked that. Uh, mm. I like that, too. I, I think my favorite score piece for, for the longest time was This Is Halloween, but I, I think I got to go with Dan with What's This? Because it it encompasses so much from the Halloween town. You know, it's still, you know, like he's talking about where Jack's just like, you know, they're throwing snowballs instead of throwing heads. You have this wonderful music, and then he's talking about throwing heads. It, it just it <laughs> throws the whole, you know, thing off. But, yeah, and I love when Jack's like, you know... <laughs> curling up next to the little elf boy and he's like in dreamland then he goes what's this you know and he goes back to the you know the big surprise you know wonderful music but my favorite scene i i think i gotta say the the whole fight sequence with oogie boogie i mean it's come on with the mm. with the cowboys with the guns and the casino moment you know and the, they're running around on a giant roulette table that was awesome <laughs> and the giant saw blade comes out that was so cool i mean I, I, that's one of my favorite scenes I mean, there's so many, so many scenes like you're saying like are so good, and just go back and think about that. This is stop motion, right? Like, and it took two years watching, to make. Yeah, we're watching something that was it was done in stop motion, yet flows so well, and is like, if done in live action, you'd still be in awe. And there's just so much like the fact fact that they do so good that you forget that you're watching mm-hmm. an animated stop motion mm-hmm. film. And your your imagination just goes, even as an adult. Like my kid in me was just like, "All right, I'm in this world." Right. Like, you know, I live in Halloween Town, and I'm a, I'm a animated character who's walking in stop motion. So it was, yeah, it's great. Can you imagine good. the idea? This can't like you can think of Gumby being stop. Yes, I <laughs> love stop Gumby. Motion. I used to yeah. watch Gumby all the time. Uh, we all weird I'm... Gumby was, and then this I is like Gumby. a whole other world. It's like right. Gumby was like two characters walking and like and sliding. The, the, I was yeah, Gumby for yeah. Halloween one time, and, turn, and turning yeah. into a big ball or whatever. Yeah, you know, they used yeah. to yeah. all sorts and of it, things in like a weird like Cubert universe that like kind of <laughs> just was like a landscape or something. And this is like everything i mean it's like worlds upon worlds that they've created in stop motion that was just like quite unbelievable like i just want to give a special shout out to ken page and the oogie boogie song though because like (laughs) it's a song that comes out of absolutely nowhere and i love it and just because it comes out of nowhere it's just so amazing and that that song was just so great now i'm pretty sure i know the answer to this last question but i still gotta ask it what could what could have been done differently if anything at all. I <laughs> love the silence there. It's always there. a tough one because when you, when you, when you, when you go and watch like director's cuts sometimes or like, you know, like the additional cuts, you're like, oh, I see what they're, not many director's cuts in my opinion are better. Like you're just like, oh, it worked though. Like this is a class, there couldn't be anything. There's a reason why it's classic. Like if you added stuff or to maybe put, you know, Stuart back into narration and have his voice over uh, Patrick, you know, maybe only I would say add that back in. Okay. But like, other than that, the story itself is 
to me was great. I, I don't know if it needed to be any longer or shorter. Um, the one thing I did say is like, I was thinking that there could be a different world and especially with like Disney plus now is that they could make little shorts of us going into all the different towns, uh, all, all the different, like the Thanksgiving town. You remember all the doors that you saw? <laughs> right. Like, I love and that like, scene. You see the doors. It's great. Yeah. And like you go in and like, you see what goes on there. So it'd be cool to like have like a, a shoot off series of just that. Like, I don't need a whole movie of it. Just like little 15 minutes, like Jack goes yeah. and visits Turkey Town. <laughs> Turkey Town. <laughs> like, whatever. Try Turkey yeah, imagine like <laughs> going down to the St. Patrick's Day door. It's like, don't go down there. What is it? Yeah, don't, a five don't, minute yeah. movie. Someone like throwing I'm, up on someone. Like, yeah, it's Jack getting like, drunk yeah. the entire time. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's like, it's just a parade that just keeps going. Like, you're like, what? <laughs> All right. So, Dan, uh, you know, what could have been oh, done differently? Man. Uh,. I think like uh, the one thing that, and I think because like when I was talking about like Oogie Boogie, like I, I guess I wanted more about that, like because I was so curious about like what type of role does he play? <laughs> like, what is he? Like, because I get what he is, but at the same time, it's like he's made out to be like really evil, sort of. And, and Jack then- doesn't like him. Yeah, they don't like each it's other. It's almost There's like a backstory the, there. the competitor of Jack. Like, right. I feel like Jack's like the mob boss and like <laughs> the Oogie Boogie man was like stepping on his terrain because he was like, oh, it's the, it's mob the three kids from the Oogie Boogie. And he's like, we thought you didn't like us. And he's like, I like you, but don't mention this to Oogie Boogie. Like, yeah, you know. yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. Good job, Jack. But like, I think like it was weird because like he, he seems like such a large he like it seems like there's something there, but they didn't really, I don't, I don't feel like there was like not real follow through with that. I feel like if you were going to do that, just they couldn't, they didn't really need that character though. I love that character. They could have made the evil scientists like kidnap Santa Claus. Cause that's kind of like what it seemed like leading, like, Oh, he's this guy who like kind of vivisects like different people <laughs> <to> create <laughs> these weird things. Um, so I, th- I think maybe just kind of trying to figure out what role this guy, you know, Oogie Boogie actually plays. I don't know. That's the thing, but I mean, I don't know. Still, it would be what then, like ninety minute movie. <laughs> Maybe know. that's why they wanted him, the scientist at the end. The original movie put the scientist at the end to be the Oogie Boogie because yeah. you're saying like it, it was only it was like playing that he could have been that guy yeah. or have created him because he looks so together like Sally, yeah. right? Like so. Ah, yeah. he was stitched up. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Though that guy can eat a lot of poison. I mean, she was just kept trying to poison <laughs> yes. him. That was crazy. And he goes, "You poisoned me for the last time." You're like, "How many times did she poison you?" And he still trusts her. He still trusts her. Trust her. He still trusts her to make the soup. Yeah, I thought that was. He was just God. lonely. I think he just he needed a companion. Like at the end, didn't yeah. he just basically? Make, make himself, himself as a female. Yeah. Well, this is where the the idea for Ex Machina came from. Oh, really? <laughs> no, 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 Dan, no, no, sir. <laughs> All right, so Leslie, what could have been done differently, if anything? You know, I love the movie and it's entire. I really do. I would have liked to see a little bit of the backstory behind the scientist, but I'm a scientist. And, and no. see what his deal was, you know. <laughs> you you see him, you know, fight with Sally the whole movie, and then you see him create himself practically for a companion, and then you see him <laughs> yeah. create the reindeer, the skeleton reindeer, which I love. That which was great. It's wonderful, but 
what about his character? I mean, yeah, we know that he was a mad scientist, but what about his character? You don't see yeah. anything about him other than that. Well, he was yeah. kind of like Dr. Moreau. Like, it's like- so weird. <laughs> Well, he was kind of an yeah, idiot. Yeah, but Jack uh, even I mean, went to him too. Yeah, like, exactly. He, yeah. You know, like he was like he needed all his equipment and stuff. Yeah. But he was uh, still kind of an idiot though, because like I said, we, you know, he he trusted Sally to make the soup for him. You know, you poisoned me for the last time. You know, mm-hmm. but yet, oh, make my soup for me, moron. He's like, he's like, he's like, oh, you could come out if you're if you behave yourself. And right, he's right. Not even there. Him, like, <laughs> not even there. No. All right. I'm I'm just gonna say this. Yeah, I don't really think much could have been done differently. Uh, you know, like you guys were talking about, maybe you know, have a little bit more about Oogie Boogie, or maybe a little bit more about, um, you know, the the evil scientist or whatever. But I mean, truthfully, everything just worked. Everything when you even now going back and watching it again, just to sit down and watch it, still fell in love with the movie all over again. Because it's, it's been, you know, a couple of years since we've seen it. And just sitting down and just watching it, it was just like, I was like a little kid just watching it going like, big dumb smile on my face, you know, humming along to the songs, bobbing my head around like I'm, like I'm you know, that little kid watching watching the movie in the theaters with my brother. So, mm-hmm. I, yeah. I, I Truthfully, I don't think there's much you could do, you know, differently for this film. So, does it measure up? Yeah. So it passes the nostalgia test. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. I was waiting for that. I was like, oh, it it blew the nostalgia test away. Oh yeah, like, I was just I was Sorry, I was almost scared to be like, all right, I'm I'm gonna look at it in two different ways. Obviously, with the score, and then like, oh yeah, what about if we were gonna do a nostalgia test on this? And I was like, of course we're gonna pass it. There's no way. Like, and there's there's always some tests that we do that we're like. Please don't do it. No, don't ruin my childhood. And I was like, this can't be ruined. And now that I think about it, it definitely is a Christmas movie because it ends with smell. Yeah. Even in even in Halloween, like yeah. Santa it's Claus passes yeah. by and and gives them a gift. And I yeah. loved how the other characters were saying, "What's this?" Right. Yeah. Like when that comes down to so that was that, great. Yeah, it was yeah. great. That was a, it was a great ending to to the film. And now Disney originally they had wanted a sequel to the film and Tim Burton was like, no, it, it, it doesn't need it. And even it now, be stop motion though. I yeah. Think it was going to be more. Yeah. Animated. Disney, Disney didn't want it to be stop motion. They wanted it to be like computer generated mm-hmm. animation. And Tim Burton said, even if it was stop motion, it doesn't need to happen. And truthfully, it doesn't, it, it, it told what it needed to tell. Like, you know, maybe like what you were talking about, Manny with the, you know, 15 minute shorts peeking into the world of the other, of the other towns, maybe, you know, have that as an interactive thing. What would the other towns look like with this Tim Burton style? But it does not need to be a movie there. It does not need, need a sequel. It doesn't need to have. No, they really stopped it. I think by not putting the part that they narrated in the score in the actual movie with them, like having any kids. If you have that in the movie, you've left the door open for like five sequels. Right. Oh, Jack's kids are coming back and now they're going to Thanksgiving town or they're going to the St. Patrick's town. Yeah. You got to give it to Tim Burton for saying no to that because like a lot of people would do a money grab and be like, yeah, sure, let's do it. Like, why why do I care if it's going to be that great or not? Because, you know, how many sequels are that great? I mean, there you can name a few. Um, That's for another podcast. But like (laughs) it... um. I'm glad okay. he said no because, yeah. yeah, I think we'd all be a little bit like, oh no, like this story is great, I love it. 
Done. <laughs> Put it to bed. You know, I love it. All right, so. so that's our thoughts on the Nightmare Before Christmas. Guys, thank you so much for coming on and, and doing this, you know, this movie with us. I mean, I truthfully, I, I couldn't have, you know, I think we couldn't have picked a better movie to do this. I agree. Yeah. No, thank you. Oh, it was great. Thank you. Appreciate for yeah. having you guys on, uh, having us on. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> definitely having when you guys came on. We got to come up with another one next year. Oh, definitely. For you guys to come up on. Definitely. We got to look up some scores. <laughs> <laughs> we, haven't, <laughs> we, haven't done a mo- we haven't done a movie in a while because Rocky did kill us. So oh. it was. <laughs> He knocked you out, out, huh? Yeah. Oh, knocked out. oh. <laughs> oh I, I got to do it. I got to oh, do it. Oh, it didn't work. Oh, wait, here oh. it is. Ah. Yes. <laughs> that was awesome. I'll, I'll, I'll have to edit that a little bit. <laughs> I might leave it in there. So. Oh, it'd be good. It'd be good. All right, so real quick, guys, uh, tell everybody where they can find your podcast. Yeah, so you can find the Nostalgia Test podcast on uh, at our website on Podbean at thenostalgiatest.com or on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. Um, and we also put up some, you know, clips, some video clips of our, of our episodes slowly, but they're getting there on our, on YouTube. Um, we'll share the link, you know, our YouTube link with you guys. So you can put it, you know, share with everyone. Um, but, um, yeah. And also we just started doing this thing where, you know, if you have, um, someone and someone who loves nostalgia nostalgic movies or anything and they just are big fans of stuff and you know you want to you know have us do put one of their things to the nostalgia test it's a perfect gift for someone and any occasion (laughs) you could hire us to pre-record an episode for them or do a virtual you know live virtual episode for them so we could put that put that stuff to the test and you can check that out on our website um the nostalgiatest.com and click on hire us and then go right there and all the details are there. <laughs> nice. Nice. And I do recommend one of their episodes on Supermarket Sweep. I thought that was great. I love that episode. <laughs> <laughs> I still like that episode. <laughs> we need to get on Supermarket Sweep. Manny yeah, exactly. and I have been talking oh about God. it. That movie, getting that on that. Great. that would be or great. the new version of Hidden Temple, which is now. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, the adult version of Legends <laughs> of the Hidden Temple. That would be great. Oh, my God. Oh, man. So, and of course, you can find us on Podbean as well, Spotify, Apple, pretty much anywhere you listen to podcasts. You can even find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Leslie does the Facebook. I do the Twitter. Uh, we even have an email, measuringthescore at gmail.com. Send us an email, talk to us, and, you know, we'll hook you up with great guests like the, you know, Danny Manny from the Nostalgia Test. And, yeah, so, Leslie, you got anything for closing? No. <laughs> <laughs> just short sweet and to the point no merry christmas everybody <laughs> merry christmas everyone and as always for measuring the score i'm chris and i'm leslie have a good one <laughs>